Welcome to another episode of Little Insights. I'm happy to welcome Ben and Ross. How are you doing, guys? Very good, thank you, as always. So we are going to go into another kind of fact today. However, I thought we'd start a podcast slightly differently. So in no particular order, guys, whoever wants to go first, whoever comes first to your mind, if your classroom was on fire, what would be the one thing you would take? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to take my lanyard because if I don't, tap out I get one of those emails that reminds me that I'm not signed out for the day so I think that's really important to they, they are <laughs> they are annoying, <laughs> that annoying yeah. um, I'm going to take a big crystal pen and I know this is something that we're going to try and plug in this podcast but if you've <laughs> did ever you just, did you say big crystal I pen? said a big crystal is it a 1.6 <laughs> it is a 1.6 mil oh, um, if you haven't written with one of these they are legendary and I promise you you would never go back and Smooth it would right. probably enter your list to save in a fire as well yeah I do like the neon colours, if Bick are listening. Yeah. We yeah. wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, thank you, guys. Um, all right, so I'm going to hand over to... Ben, for the fact. Okay, so uh, I'm going to throw out there just a, just a, a number, and I'll see, see if you can figure out what my fact's going to be about. So 10 hours, 40 minutes. What do you think? 10 hours? 10 hours, 40 minutes. What do you think takes that long, typically? Marking. Marking. What, daily, <laughs> on a daily. Yeah. Uh, add anything? No. Uh, Ten hours, forty-five minutes. I say my average nighttime sleep. Ooh, interesting. Okay, okay. more than me. Yeah. Maybe we do an episode on teacher sleep and and, and bits of busy. Well, it's sort sort of linked to this actually. This is uh, a, a report that calculated the hours teachers spent during school time actually in school. Um, so that's working on school grounds and uh, in total it creates for about 53 hours a week. So they broke that down and on average that's five hours on actual instruction I suppose. So in class actually doing the, the teaching part. I don't know how they quite get this figure but approximately 36 minutes of that is spent on student supervision and discipline. Um, so 45 minutes is planning, preparing and collaborating with other colleagues. Another 36 minutes okay, on grading so I guess that's looking at how they uh, assess pupils, leaving just 15 minutes to communicate with parents and 23 minutes for their own lunch. So the teacher working day broken down like that. I don't know if that's familiar sort of familiar picture to you guys. It's definitely familiar. I mean, yeah. when have you ever heard of the, uh, the hour lunch break? No, God knows. No. What I think is interesting there as well is in terms of how much time for planning. Yeah. Like, you know, I, that always, I think, resonates with me when you see these sorts of stats, whether they're true or not is yeah and i guess they are somewhat true it's you know we teach that's the main part of our job but we actually spend the least amount of time planning Sometimes, to teach yeah and that's that's one of the most important things in terms of getting the lessons right isn't it i know yeah. you've got to be there and deliver stuff but yeah you're right that's a really interesting point there and i think i think as well it's it's the perception i think <laughs> probably I, I i don't want to speak for everybody listening um all two of you but um in terms of actually you know those those facts i would say that the vast majority of people that are not in the teaching profession would probably go you know oh they're nine to three you know six weeks holiday you know all that sort of stuff that's kind of a bit kind of cliche about teachers and actually 
you know, I think that's a bit of a recognition for how hard the vast majority of the profession do work. How many hours was it again? Uh, per day is 10 hours, 40 minutes on average, which uh, equates to about 53 hour working week. So Because they say, don't they, that actually senior leaders work longer hours per week than say a teacher or like right. a teacher. And my question here, and you know, Ben, you might be able yeah. to answer this, Ross, you might be answering this, what the hell are senior leaders doing? They teach less. <laughs> it's interesting. Thanks for that. I mean, I'm spending most of my time just napping in my office, just clocking <laughs> up the hours, making sure that the car park's empty, then I leave, you know, it makes me look like I'm busy. No, well, I think when we talked about this is, you know, 13 to 16,000 steps in a day. Yeah. You know, whilst maybe not in the classroom as much, you, you are out and about, you are moving. Yeah. And actually, you know, some of those stats you had on there, I'd argue we spend longer, you know, that time on the phone to parents. How, yeah. how much time was that per day? It was 15 minutes per day on average. You know, I, I, I can definitely think of several phone calls where I've been on the home, phone for at least an hour. So I think, I think from to my a single parent. Yeah, I think from my perspective as well. So part of it is you have like say a body of work or project that needs five six hours with man time doing it, but you never get a section of time of five or six straight hours. You know, you, you do have odd lessons where you teach, but every other hour you're on duty or you're going out on the playground duty or you've been on call and you're kind of coming to that arena. So actually. Your, your time is so punctuated that you never get a run of something. Um, but I suppose that's equally for all, all teachers, and, the, and that's part of the profession, is the fact that actually, you, you know, time is quite squeezed. Um, yeah. Teachers are the great multitaskers, aren't they? You know, yeah. you are literally, I'm in the middle of one thing, the bell rings, I'm going to park that where it is, I'm jumping straight into a lesson to deliver, knowing full well I'm going to go somewhere else, then I'm going to pick up another job, and then... Probably like three, four hours later, I'm going back to the first task mm-hmm. I was working on, which I know is due for two days' time. And it's this kind of continuous process of managing. You know, there's a number of different things on there yeah. that you've said for those stats and actually managing that process. Interesting, isn't it? Because sort of there you talk about that and you almost lose a bit of continuity possibly. If you, you, know, if you think about when your mind works best and you kind of get into the flow of something and then you have to suddenly drop it or put it down or pause it because you've then got to go on break duty. And I know there's a school that I've, I've visited that, that they actually have... Um, I think middle leaders as well so middle and senior leaders each get a day off on the rotation of the timetable and actually I say a day off they can do a day working from home or whatever but knowing that you've actually got that time and that space away from the school building where the kind of you know the bells kind of interrupt you or the kids interrupt you or whatever it is um, seemingly could be quite productive or certainly as an idea I don't know what people think about that that'd be great I think you know you could kind of as you say you'd have no distractions you could just get some serious work done like mm. it'd be a lot more efficient anyway i feel like um and he was honest he said it, it was for, for his well-being he actually spends five of those hours going off cycling around yes it's countryside and kind of enjoys his, his sort of day but he makes the man hours up in other ways and kind of does it in different times i guess it's that autonomy isn't it you know you need to I guess, you know, that's a big part of being a teacher, isn't it? I think what's really interesting about these sorts of stats is I feel like often they come from a place where I think it's important to talk about teacher workload. However, and this is just kind of playing devil's advocate, do other professions talk Mm. about how hard they work? And often we, obviously, this is always made public and in the news. I don't know if it often does us a favour. I feel often it kind of, and I'm, that's just more for your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I here. think we, I think you're right. I think, but I think we're battling the stereotype. We're battling the stereotype that you said at the beginning yeah. of the nine to three teacher who, you know, has vast amounts of holiday, 
doesn't yeah. do anything. And, you know, it is a stereotype. I would argue there's very few teachers who fit into that. Um, but that is portrayed through society, um, which is, I think, is a battle. So maybe then we need these sorts of things to be made public. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, I feel like we're, we make these things public because of the stereotype, as if, yeah. you know, we're trying to battle against that. You know, I know for myself, when I go home, I've got family members, some of which work in education, some don't. And every time it's a, a holiday time, I get a message. I bet you're still in bed. It's yeah. Monday morning. I'm working hard. And actually, more often than not, I'll send a picture back. Actually, I'm sat here with 60 books yeah. and I'm marking because because of my over 10 hour day in the working yeah. week, I've actually got to catch up on a backlog of work. Yeah. Um, and those, those um, holiday points allow me to keep on top of my workload. Yeah. It's, um, I, I guess as well, because I, I, part of the attraction of the teaching profession is, is those, sort of, like you say, those holiday points. And it just depends, I suppose, on, on, on your mindset and how you work and, and your circumstances, I suppose, because actually if you've got childcare, actually being able to perhaps leave at three o'clock I dare say the vast majority of those staff that are leaving at three o'clock are then staying up at nine o'clock at night when the kids are in bed and doing the marking there. And actually that that flexibility to a certain degree is a good thing for the profession, but it could also be you know impact on well being and that side side of things. I think that's something that Do we think that's work. aiding towards the recruitment crisis? If we think, you know, that nine to three teacher doesn't exist yeah. and you don't get the holidays and maybe there's a realisation now that that's not the yeah. the picture that you the, think it is the package and, deal is not as kind of rosy yeah. as it may be seen so. yeah and but therefore I mean, it's actually it's not as an attractive position to move into teaching but it's mm. interesting you say that because when i speak to say like if i ever visit my old school or if i'm into my old teachers when i was at school and the first question i always ask well when you get talking is like oh are you still teaching and nine times out of ten no and then especially kind of like the younger ones when i was at school mm. and a lot of them they do say teaching isn't what it used to be in the sense it's interesting like and the big thing they always talk about is i've got to do so much more mm. and it's you know yeah good one yeah <laughs> Due to COVID-19, some of our interviews have had to take place remotely and therefore we apologise in advance of the sound quality. Hello all uh, and welcome to the part of the podcast where we have a discussion with our guests and I'm delighted to be once again joined by Pearl and Susie um, who uh, have been invited in to discuss uh, current affairs matter uh, around Black Lives Matter. So uh, in terms of uh, how we're going to do this, I've got a few questions that I'm going to fire away. Um, and the, I think the, the girls have got some questions to, to fire back. So, um, Susie, Pearl, thanks ever so much for joining us. Um, from your perspective, what part do schools have to play in, in the Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, so, uh, do you want to start off? Yeah, go for or, it, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, right, so for me... Um, that question kind of leads me back to you know why I came into teaching in the first place and that's to you know empower young people increase their life chances help shape mold society and this is clearly something that affects a section of our society of the community that you know all over the world and this is something that you know schools have a major part to play there are other sections in society that can have influence in this but 
as, as schools, as school teachers, um, as educators, I think we have a huge role to play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would echo that, and I would say um, schools play a massive role in in the shaping of young people and the way they see themselves as well. And mm. having students from all backgrounds um, having access to seeing people like them um, doing the jobs that they aspire to do, it, it's showing them that and giving them that access that that is really important. Uh, for and I think that's again one of the reasons why I came to, into teaching is to show uh, people of the same background as myself that there are other things that they can do with their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally agree. What do you think in in terms of currently schools are are getting right in terms of of that side of things, and what do you think they're getting wrong or that could they could do better? Um. So, yeah, I can start this off. Um, Paul, feel free to add anything in if you want to. Yeah. Um, just, I think the the things that well, we believe that schools are getting right at the moment, I think schools have really good intentions around creating a diverse curriculum. Um, schools want to make sure that their curriculum is accessible by everybody, uh, all the students. And I think the intention is there. Um so th- that's that's really good. Um, in terms, I, I don't know, Paul, if you want to add anything on to that. Um, yeah, so I think the intentions are there. So I think it's the next step that's important. You know, what yeah. do we do with those intentions? It needs yeah. to it needs to follow through with actual actions, positive actions that will make changes and make a difference. Yeah, I think a lot of the time it's the delivery that can um, make or break or help the situation to, uh, you know, go into a better place. I think um, when it comes to the delivery, often like having the right intentions is to make sure that, like as all educators do, make sure that the curriculum is accessible for or having a diverse curriculum, I should say. Um, but I think in the way it's done, sometimes it's it can come across tokenistic or mm. just having it there just because it needs to be met, if, if that makes sense. And I think, um, like for example, like Black History Month, and I know it's celebrated uh, across uh, across all schools, all schools take part, part in it and it does contribute to the diverse curriculum. But I think in the sense of having it as just a month um, rather than entrenched in the learning of in, mm. the learning of pupils in the entire school throughout the whole year I think that would have been uh, would be more uh, would have more of an impact on our pupils yeah and I think going back to the Black History Month you know it it happens to varying degrees some schools might do something some to be honest don't really do anything so um so yeah, so I think actually embedding it in the curriculum, so it's not only a month, you know, in the whole year, to actually just make it just understanding uh, different cultures just part of everyday life, and you know, talking about it, it's just everyday life. Yeah, I think that I think that's really interesting. I think um, I think it's the University of London that um, actually they've um, they've sort of scrapped Black History Month. And I wonder if you think mm, yeah. I wonder if you think that's a, a, a sort of positive move forward. Um, you know, what, what's your what's your views on that? Um, if I go to Susie first, um, I think if 
if they follow it up with actually making sure that they um, embed like good uh, the actual history in terms of making sure that the education is or the curriculum is diverse, I think it's a positive movement because scrapping it and then doing nothing afterwards is again it's not addressing oh. the issue. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 I agree with that. So yeah. So I think what what I what we would like to see is. Um, it being part of every everyday life in school kind of just you know students being able to see uh black people from each subject for example so you know as a food teacher the chefs for example or black businesses um or black designers artists historians etc just it's just part what we have now but reflecting every, you know blacks in society yeah just part yeah. of life yeah because there are sorry no, just to interject yeah because there are lots of black people out there do, uh, who are artists who are um you know mm -hmm. lawyers playing a role in the finance sector um mm. just there are lots of good examples lots of role models out there and it's just having a reflection of that when we teach our pupils um about the the jobs that they can aspire to as well yeah mm. yeah I, I, I completely agree and um and who do you think is in, in terms of a school setting who do you think is responsible for for bringing about these sort of changes that we're, we're talking about where do you think the responsibility lies is it is it through government, through policy, through you know individual teachers? Does it you know how, how do we get, go about making some of these changes? Um, sorry, well, gonna... I've... do you want to go first, Susie? No, 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 down to okay. All right. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, yeah. So I would definitely say all that you've mentioned from the government, definitely, because I think yeah. it needs to be there needs to be policies things that are put in place and measurable accountable for to make sure that this actually happens yeah. i mean you know I've, i wasn't born in this country but I, i've spent most of my life here since primary school age yeah. and i would i don't really feel that anything's really changed in terms of education you know the experience um of education um for black children um it remains really the same so you have to get that education from home right. and we're supposed to be part of society right. so that should be coming from everywhere so when i you know when a child goes to school they should be able to learn about themselves in school as well so they feel that confidence they feel part of society yeah, and I think I would echo that. I would say that it is, I guess, it should come from the government first and foremost, and it should be um, something that's part of a national curriculum. And yeah. uh, like, you, like you were saying, it should be something that is measurable, something that the schools are held accountable for as well, so that there is some real uh, you know, effort put into actually making sure that there is there is an education out there for people for our young pupils to see educators doing something or showing them that they they have access to yeah. Um, yeah black role models and yeah. i would say yeah go on sorry no sorry <laughs> you finish sorry <laughs> no you finish off <laughs> oh, okay 
No, uh, and I'm just, no, I was just going to add that um, in terms of individual responsibility, I think all staff members, whether you are in teaching in a classroom or not, when you're working with young pupils and in schools, we do have um, lots of schools with lots of pupils from lots of different backgrounds, it is important to educate ourselves because a lot of the times, um, you know, we are the people standing in front of the young the young students uh, shaping their minds giving them um, ideas about the world out there and we need to make sure that we have a good understanding as to what um you know what how to deliver that if that makes sense and also what is what it means to be um someone that is a, a, someone who is black and outside in the world what mm learning about different cultures, making sure it's not alien to us so that we can share that with them as well, if that makes mm. sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I think, you know, from government, but also um, in schools, all staff in school, but I think it would have a big impact if students, if the young people can actually see senior, senior members um, speaking up or advocating for them as well yeah. because they know that they're the, you know they they make the changes they have the influence to make those changes above and maybe the government would take it seriously would want to would make those changes if they can see that it's not only teachers but actually the leadership see the importance of it as well yeah. yeah, and I think um, one. Oh, sorry, one more thing. Oh, I just wanted okay. to add is that uh, recently I've been I've I've seen um, people who have worked with young people, so people in education um, have recently been saying things like "all lives matter" and not really understanding the repercussions of that statement. And it's just things like that that make you think about what who is standing in the classroom and who's in the who who are the teachers teaching our pupils or who are the educators in a school that have access to our children and if, if these are the views that they hold um, not realizing the impact that it can have on uh, a black person yeah. by saying all lives matter I think that that comes down to educating ourselves and knowing um, what is appropriate and why maybe certain uh, why is it that saying for example all lives matter might uh, it, you know uh, why it's upsetting the black community yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think you, you, you pair have got a couple of questions you might want to ask me, if, if that's appropriate now. Yes. Okay, okay, so I'll start off the first question. Or, yeah. Yeah, and then, Paul, you can go with the next. So our first question, because obviously we have a different, uh, we, we all have different experiences. Um, so we wanted to ask you what your experiences are of learning about other cultures in schools, uh, specifically in relation to contributions made by black people. So you're you talking in, in terms of my perspective of me being a, a, a pupil in my in yesteryear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I don't know if you can tell by the accent, I grew up in multicultural Birmingham. Um, but if I'm honest, I, I went to a school where it wasn't, sort of a predominant factor in, in my education. Um, you know, school generally yeah. in that in that sort of time period anyway was quite stale. Um, certainly in, in my immediate surroundings, I gathered that education and, and had that kind of 
linked to other cultures uh, and, and Birmingham is a massively diverse place but through my actual own education it was pretty limited you know um, I, I was sort of if I think about my art education where I was taught by uh, a sort of uh, a gentleman who was sadly sort of passed on but it was kind of white stuffy uh, artists the kind of yeah. uh, dead white dead the cl the cliche dead white males sort of thing that were that were being taught and and you know and and, that, and that's how you learn and but luckily I had you know parents that would expose me to you know theatre art and all all sorts of things from from different backgrounds from different cultures so in that regard I felt quite lucky but certainly in my own education experience uh, it was quite limited. Mm. Yeah, but and I think. And I, and I think that's the thing. Um, I think going even going forward now, um, how I, I don't I don't think it's not as bad as it was before. But I do think there there is an active um, movement or thought around trying to include more uh, artists, for example, from different backgrounds. But has it improved from that time? And I, I'm not saying it was a very long time ago, Ben. But I'm just saying. <laughs> improve that and that's the thing that we we i guess would want is to measure that and hold educators accountable yeah mm. okay number two number two um right yeah question number two so um in terms of black lives matter movement um what impact has it had on you as an educator and as a member of slt um i think i think First and foremost, it's it's brought it front and centre, um, and it's made it really sort of prevalent in everything that we need to make sure that it's happening. And I think it's I think it's been good to have that kind of conversation and dialogue put on the table, so that we actually you know we have honest conversation around you know what does it look like in our school, what does it look like across the borough, what does it look like in schools co collectively. I think we've all got a responsibility now, uh, and and, and I, as you were sort of alluding to in your discussion earlier, I think that's that's now the case that being front and centre, it's not just about having it there it's now making sure that we act uh, and ensure that it is kind of more than just a bolt-on and more than just kind of us making a declaration of support actually we need to make sure it's yeah. really embedded in everything that we do um you know i think i think we're in, in exciting times in education anyway i think the kind of reforms to the ofsted uh, framework have given us that opportunity to have an open and honest look at our curriculum uh, and a dialogue around that and i think we're in the process of doing that but I think this brings a new layer and a, and a must-have layer to that. So I think from that mm. perspective, the movement has, has kind of, from an educational perspective, given us um, given us a challenge. You know, we, we, we've got to challenge ourselves. We've got to look at what's what's been delivered at the moment. And as you say, you know, look at ourselves as educators and are we consistently making sure that our message is, is the right one? So um, I think from that yeah. point, it's, it's a good challenge to be having and it's a good conversation to be having. And I think, you know, it's one that no one wants to shy away from. Uh, yeah. So, from my perspective, that's 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 really important. I think that's important. Like people are honest, have those honest conversations because I think a lot of the times people are afraid to say the wrong things or um, afraid to have that conversation openly. But yeah. I think be, being open and being honest about it is the best way forward. Yeah, and I think that is the positive of this. It's it's brought something that has always been there right up you know it's it's out in the open and yeah. we can't ignore Try it. it yeah we can't ignore it anymore Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah we'll, we'll go with the last question okay 
Um, what would you recommend to other people in the same position of influence to do uh, in in support of the BLM? Um, I, th I think I think we've sort of touched on it, but certainly that that yeah. open openness of conversation, that openness of dialogue, um, and actually you know, where, where, where it's necessary, ha having the sort of openness and the, 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 the sort of courage to say, right, we need sort of advice here, or we need support, or what are we doing yeah. right, what are we doing wrong? And actually, rather than shying away from it, bringing it front and centre, I think is really important. I think I think your sort of points around, you know, things like Black History Month and, and being bolt on, I think what we've got to do is be really mindful that these things aren't just kind of tokenistic sort of uh, add-ons that we just sort of do to tick a box i think that's the kind of mentality mentality that's been approached not necessarily for black lives matter but just just in other sort of um, areas in the past where it's kind of just you know you know if we have a special day on it it'll be fine if we do a drop down day on it you know it kind of covers it and we've ticked the box and we've done it so i yeah. think it's about making sure that whatever we do uh is embedded and uh is throughout and that we you know we have that challenge so i think that is a challenge for senior leaders. I think it's a challenge for government. I think it's a challenge for schools uh, and other institutions. Um, institutions, but I think I think the Black Lives Matter has, has brought that front and centre. So I think that's that's for me the biggest thing. So yeah, having those conversations, not being afraid to to have them, uh, and, and 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 as you say, being as open as you possibly can around these things. Yeah. Thank you. thank you very much for those questions. That's absolutely yeah. yeah that's fine. Um, and, and thank you in, in return as well. Thank you for being guests. Um, I think it's been a really important uh, conversation. I think uh, certainly, hopefully, the listeners are, are are able to sort of take something from this. But I, what I'd encourage people to do is, is get in touch. Um, you know, this is something that we want to continue a bit of momentum on. Uh, so if anybody out there wants to get in touch, um, that'd be fantastic. It'd be great to hear from you. Um, Pearl and Susie, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, there's a, thank there you. Gone. Yeah, thank you for having us. Absolute pleasure. Uh, listen, you both stay Bye. safe and look after yourselves and I look forward to hearing and seeing from you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you to our guests for today's episode. If you would like to join the conversation or even come on the show, you can get in touch through Twitter by following us on little underscore insights or through Instagram, which is insights little.